0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Victims True Crime Podcast. I am Patrick.
1: Hey, Mike Pru.
0: Did we do first and last name last time? I forgot.
1: I don't know, but it doesn't bother me I, if you don't use yours.
0: Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. All right, anyways, People... guys, uh, welcome to the show. <laughs> uh, this is only episode two, and... Yeah, we're going to be doing an interesting one. I'm excited about this one. Uh, It's a pretty prominent case. I would say uh, easily one of the most recognizable victims in the history of victims. I mean, how can you not make the connection, right?
1: Right, especially when you're looking at who's responsible for it all in the Manson family
0: that that in itself makes this a big deal, but she we're focusing mostly today on Sharon Tate Of course, the victims that's right now we were uh I mean there's more victims within this case than just Sharon Tate, but I feel like she's she's a very recognizable name within. You know, the Manson family of victims. She's the most famous name, I would say. But, I mean, Abigail Folger, that's a big deal. She was like the heiress to the so coffee. The Folger's coffee, yep. And then, uh, what, Jay Sebring? He was uh, heir to the Sebrings? I have no idea. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I Those don't know. Are,
1: it was her former fiancé, actually. That,
0: yeah, that part is true. I don't know what he was famous for. Was he a producer or something, maybe? I don't know. Oh, was, was he famous? <laughs> I, mean, I have no idea. <laughs> He's got a good name, though. That's a strong name. Sebring. Jay Sebring. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then uh, who's the last guy? The French guy, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Ryze- I don't even know. Frykowski.
1: His name. Frykowski. I think Frykowski.
0: There you go. Yeah. Probably a writer or something. Maybe a photographer. What was he? I don't know what he was. Doesn't matter because yeah. we're focusing on Sharon Tate. And rest in peace to all those other victims as well. But we want to talk about Sharon Tate because not only was she pregnant when this happened, but she was at like the height of her career. Yeah, She had just broken career. through. And she was hanging out with, I mean, she was just married to Roman Polanski, who was a huge director at this time. He is a bad man now. Yeah. He was probably a bad man
1: then too. Yeah. Nobody according knew According to, um, right. Nobody knew at the time, but, He was cheating and doing a bunch of shit.
0: Yeah. He looked kind of shady, honestly. You just can get a bad vibe from him. He looked creepy to me. He still does, honestly. (laughs) But uh, Sharon Tate was married to this guy. She was at the height of her fame. She was finally getting recognition for all of her phenomenal acting that she was doing, specifically her comedic timing, which was definitely a thing back then. Uh, Definitely still a thing today where they look for females with good comedic timing and they make them famous. You know, Mila Kunis. uh, What's that other girl? Kate McKinnon. You know, there's a lot. uh, Kristen Wiig, Melissa McCarthy. There's so many of them. They exploit their ability to be funny rather than the fact that they're also attractive. You know what I mean? Which is good.
1: I think they played off of the fact that she was attractive and then they realized what they had.
0: Back then. she's funny. Right. More or less now, they'll actually make a girl famous specifically because she's funny right
1: right like on like an ad bryant on snl nobody's banging down the walls to date ad bryant but she's hilarious Hilarious. and that makes her appealing and interesting
0: that's right and
1: attractive because she's funny
0: exactly and same thing with in in male counterparts you know in my mind where it's like you can be an ugly dude but if you're funny you're gonna get chicks oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right so uh A little background here on uh, what we're going to do is we're going to go through where Sharon was actually born and talk about that city in itself, which is actually a very large city, if we're being honest. I think it's one of the largest cities in the United States. It's Dallas, Texas. Oh. But.
2: We're
0: going to talk about that first, and then we're going to talk about Sharon Tate and her childhood and her growing up. So let's. Do you know much about Texas right now? What's your first thing that you could say that you know about Texas? The obvious, right?
1: Well, Texas is big. <laughs> that's the obvious to me. That's, that's but right. And uh, you know, just based on what I know about her childhood is that she is a military brat. And there's a lot of bases based down there in Texas. And she has an early childhood of... You know, being this um, pageantry star, she she gets put into that very early on into her in her life. But then she's gonna get bounced around a bunch.
0: So that's-, that's right, because she was beautiful. But speaking specifically, just on Dallas, Texas, in itself, just some random things. Uh, the population Dallas is actually the ninth largest city in the U.S. and it's the third largest in Texas with a population of one point two million. That's wow. impressive. Uh, it's. Located in the central time zone. Uh, it's northwest of Houston and uh, 300 miles north of the Gulf of Mexico. God, it's I would say this is probably easily one of the bigger cities in Texas with uh, a lot of touristy things. A reason to be there. Right. I feel like Dallas. I mean, the Mavericks already stick out in my mind. I mean, the Cowboys. Yeah. Big deal.
2: Of yeah.
0: Uh, the frozen margarita machine was actually invented in Dallas. So if you like margaritas or just frozen stuff in drink form, (laughs) there you go. And even historical
1: perspective, you got the uh, JFK assassination happens in Dallas, Texas. Yeah. Right there on Elm Street.
0: Wonderful name, huh? Uh, The integrated circuit computer chip, which became the microchip, was invented in Dallas. What? They got some smart dudes down there, huh? (laughs) Uh, It's the largest permanent model train uh, exhibit in the country is on display in the lobby of Dallas Children's Medical Center That'd be impressive to see a permanent model train Permanent model what does that train thing look like? Yeah, <laughs> I mean think about it You got a, a lot of upkeep I would say on a model train But uh, especially <laughs> in a children's place, right? I would think they're going to be playing with it <laughs> uh, The first convenience store, 7-Eleven, got its start in Dallas and its corporation is headquartered there today. So all those 7-11s out there started there in Texas, Dallas oh. specifically. Uh, Lamar Hunt, who's actually the founder of the American Football League and the son of oil tycoon H.L. Hunt, was a noted Dallas resident and he had coined the phrase Super Bowl. Oh, so this is a big deal. Big deal. Man, not just a big, I mean Big deal. It's not that the time, creative, though, anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, because you got the no. Cotton Bowl, you had the Sugar Bowl. Oh, oh, we're going to have the Super Bowl. It's the, better yeah, than all of those.
0: All he had to do was say, how about the Great Bowl? Or the <laughs> Elite Bowl? And then they were like, Super sounds probably the best. Super Bowl? That sounds good. <laughs> like, what did people say? Supper Bowl? No, it's Super Bowl. I mean, it's obvious. <laughs> but uh
2: pretty Superman interesting. Was didn't popular didn't random thing.
0: <laughs> Yeah, right, there you go. That's you're probably right. As far as timing. It is the Super Bowl, the highest bowl of all bowls. But as you said, speaking on her childhood, she was a army brat, you know, going back and forth all over the place. And I couldn't imagine what that would be like. It would be uh it kind of cultures you in a lot of ways, but at the same time it's gonna take a lot away. You're gonna have disadvantages because those long, meaningful relationships will never be there.
1: Right, you're always just bouncing around from, oh, this is a group of friends. And then you're ripped away from them. And then you try to meet and you struggle to meet new people. And yep. yeah, you're always in this constant movement of trying to figure out who you are and what you are in your life. So, with that said, though, that's the story of a lot of actors, actresses, is that they've had that experience. So it's easy for them to adjust. To being an actor an actress because yep. they're always playing different roles are always just trying to figure out who they are so they never really became anybody so now that it's easy for them to adapt and change constantly for each role oh yeah
0: some of the best actors i would imagine are from this type of lifestyle makes it easier for them to connect uh like uh third person Does right you,
2: yeah
1: or even the fact that sometimes they didn't meet friends, so they probably also entertained themselves and built up great imaginations, and you know, just played in their houses with themselves and acted things out with their toys and you know, situations like that.
0: Entertainment for right. one's uh, loneliness, in a sense, isolation. Just, just the difficulties. Of, uh, at, in, at a certain point, you could imagine that it gets easier to figure out how to make friends, but it is never. easy that makes sense right like it gets easier but it's never simple it's never consistent you can't always guarantee that how you met those friends at this other school is gonna you know it's gonna have the same kind of impact when you go to this other school because i I was i was a product of this where i moved around a lot but i came back to schools that i went to before so you can kind of go back into old relationships so it's a little easier but i totally get this where it's like oh well i try to just be the funny guy and then you try to use that same joke when you move and those kids don't get it You get what I'm saying?
1: Right. Yeah. And you're always trying to gain attention. Like, oh, Uh I'm here now. I want to fit in.
0: Let's try to to be a funny guy here as well. Wear nicer shoes so that way maybe you could get into, like, the cool kid group in that school. Still never made it, but (laughs) always (laughs) try. But uh, she was born a a long, long time ago, man. I didn't realize uh, how old she actually was. I mean, if she was still alive today, Uh, January 24th, 1943, she was actually the oldest of three daughters. Uh, Paul James Tate is her father. Colonel Paul James Tate. Served, he was. He died in 2005. Wow. Lived longer than uh, his daughter. Yeah, the United That's yeah. weird, right? Yeah. It's I not even imagine. The thing
1: that you don't want to happen. You should never be burying your Hell children.
0: Yeah. And he consistently got to see uh, the glorification of Charles Manson through television and pop culture. Oh yeah. That's Ugly. Yeah, dude. <laughs> uh, his wife, uh, Doris Gwendolyn uh, Willett, she lived uh, till 1992, so not, I mean, obviously longer than her daughter, but... Uh,
2: yeah, the husband still had to
1: live, live on yeah. as a widower.
0: That's right. Andy, Andy lost his daughter, like daughter and wife, and he still lives and got gets to watch Charles Manson do all those interviews. Fun stuff. Uh, at six months of age, uh, Sharon Tate actually won the Miss Tiny Tot of Dallas pageant, which is what kind of you were talking about. How she was doing those from a very young age. She was into pageantry, which obviously makes sense. Right, when...
1: you're right. Look at you. Look at the pictures of her as an adult. Yeah. And it's like, oh no shit, like gorgeous.
0: So, uh, overall, six different cities. You know, she had ended up living in. Her family described her as shy and lacking in self-confidence. And as an adult, Tate commented that people would misinterpret her shyness as aloofness until they knew her better. What a crazy choice of words. Aloofness. Aloofness. I don't, yeah, like she's a there in the that.
1: headlights. Yeah.
0: Do you think she actually said aloofness, though? I don't know
2: what the
1: source is, but uh, if she said aloofness, then she...
0: Yeah, she was smart, I mean. And I she was say. smart. <laughs> yeah. Because I would have just been like, people think I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's,
1: yeah, people think I'm a dumbass, but, but I like <laughs> I'm <him>. not.
0: <laughs> a lot of right. people are like that, and you said you're a teacher, so you probably get to kind of witness a kid who purposely will act dumb. All,
1: all the time. But
0: he's smart. He, right. he just is not looking, because you, there's a certain attention that you get from being smart that people who are smart don't want. So they'll act dumb to impress that group of friends that they so badly want to be a part of.
1: Oh, absolutely. And just, I'm
0: talking yeah. about myself, I think, again. I have... Son of a bitch.
1: Well, I, think a lot of, <laughs> I think a lot of people do that because they think the cool thing is to get bad grades yep. sometimes and, like, oh, I got this bad grade and they'll, like, brag about it. Oh, I got a 32. Like,
0: yeah,
1: like, Not the right thing to be saying. You know, because...
0: then, you're, then you're so far away from having the ability to even pass the class. That's <laughs> well, what That, ugly. that
1: too. Yeah,
2: like, Jesus. But
1: ultimately, though, the, the person that you're telling you got a 32, they're thinking, well, yeah, you're a dumbass.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
1: But they're not impressed by it. It's like, yeah. No. It's funny.
0: And it's so weird that you, that as a kid, as a, a high schooler or what have you, you, you assume that it's cool to be ignorant, even if you know you're not. Because you get way more praise when you do well. Right. <laughs> and then that praise comes, you're still like, I don't want it. It's uh, it was accidental. <laughs> I meant to do bad again, but it's fine. Yeah, it's more, uh,
1: it's more of a thing where, like, friends maybe sometimes will bust each other's chops, like, ah, oh, you nerd, you know, and yeah. they don't really, you know, the the person that got the, um, the good grade is thinking of it as, oh, well, they think I'm a nerd, but the other guy's just, or the, or the friend, rather, is just, like, busting their chops, doesn't really care. It's just being a friend, yeah. like, you know.
0: So what Busting you do? Balls. And you don't. Yeah, and you don't get that until it's too late. Until you grow oh, up.
1: Yeah, until you grow yep. up and realize, yeah, nobody really gives a shit what you do. Like they, they're your friends and they, they got your back no matter what. So they don't care mm-hmm. how your grades are, and you know they just want you to take care of yourself and not be, you know, being an entity, Actually, so yeah, it takes yeah, you a little while to right. realize that.
0: For sure. Not cool. All good be dumb. things come with
2: time. No. <laughs>
0: uh, but uh, speaking of just like how we had said how pretty she was and she did a lot of beauty pageants, she won the title of Miss Richland in Washington in 1959. She spoke of her ambition to study psychiatry and compete in the Miss Washington pageant of 1960. But she couldn't do either of those because her, fr- her father had received orders to be stationed in Verona, Italy. Right. Being in Italy. 16, 17, oh, beautiful. Yeah, from there she'll
1: <clears throat> probably get some national recognition being in Italy. Oh, and...
0: for sure. But the competition? I can't even imagine.
1: Well, she's Are pretty good. Italian <laughs> yeah. She gets the goods, especially for the the 1960s. You go back and you look at a lot of, a lot of the other girls from 1960, and then on up to par with uh, Sharon Tate.
0: So, I agree.
1: Well, She deserves all that, and that trip to Italy and... You know, from there, though...
0: She lived in It's Italy, ironic, though.
1: though. What happens is... You know, her father's this big military guy, and she's a military brat. She ends up being in the military newspaper as in a, in a swimsuit edition. Of the Stars and
0: Stripes. So is that is that something that we can agree that Dad was proud of? Or... <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, I don't know the
1: answer to that. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, imagine it that it's right?
1: the 1960s. You probably weren't too proud of that. Oh, no,
0: he's pissed. <laughs>
1: Whereas today, you'd be like, "Okay, I understand. This is the way culture is. You know, as long as you're not,
0: go uh, get that uh, money."
1: Right? Yeah, but don't be uh, be in the town pump either. Yeah. While you're at I it. I
0: like that. <laughs> <laughs> that even sounds old timey. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that sounds pump that's awesome uh she actually discovered that she had a kinship with other students at the American school she attended in nearby vicenza recognizing that their backgrounds and feelings of separation were similar to her own That's something we kind of mentioned about you know maybe she was in school with some other people that were going to be famous because they're military brats as well it's kind of a thing especially back then
1: right and that's uh, what we kind of talked <clears throat> about earlier
0: yeah yeah uh Tate and her friends became an uh, interested in filming of Hemingway's adventures of of a young man I don't even know what that is have you ever heard of that um
1: uh, never heard of Hemingway's adventures no. I don't know if it has anything to do with Ernest Hemingway it must I don't know I'm sure he it has to
0: yeah I would imagine too right you can only assume huh.
1: yeah, to... yeah it's based on an Ernest Hemingway semi-autobiographical character
0: what Nick so Adams. it's not like fear and loathing in Las Vegas <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That'd be a darker Hemingway, huh? I mean, didn't he kill himself or something? I don't
1: know. Let me read the plot, though. Nick Adams is a young, restless man who wants a good life and to see the world. Though he is told it's not worth the attempt, he decides to go away from his Midwestern home. Along the way, he encounters numerous people, and later joins an Italian army to fight the Germans in World War One, where he falls in love. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, well, Ernest Hemingway was known for you know his time in the war, and, and he wrote a lot of stories yeah. based on that. So, yeah, semi-autobiographical.
0: Now, Don't they call probably... him Papa or something? They call him Papa. Or who am I thinking of? I think so. Hey, maybe. Hemingway? Ernest Hemingway. Didn't he take off to some island and live there forever? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they... Papa, I think. Papa. Look, we learn new things from each other every (laughs) episode. We learn from each other, and then people (laughs) that listen to the show learn at least one thing. Yeah, they're going to learn something. (laughs) You got to learn at least one thing. That's a win. Hey, guys. Just wanted to take a second away from the show to tell you a little bit about my friends. DollarBlazeClub.com. If you love to stay elevated, but you don't like all the hassle, visit DollarBlazeClub.com use promo code STAYWOKE for 25% off pre-rolled cones, lighters, and everything else you need to stay elevated. Check out the website right now using our code STAYWOKE to receive 25% off. It is the highest discount they are offering for this product. It's an amazing product, a product I use myself and I love, and I will continue to use and praise it in every single podcast possible, and you guys are going to constantly be hearing about it. So don't forget. You want that 25% off discount? Head over to dollarblazeclub.com and use the code staywoke. That's S T A Y W O K E. Let's see. Speaking on just this film that we were talking about, Hemingway's Adventures of a Young Man, like I said it stars I think it stars Paul Newman. I would only imagine that makes sense to me. Uh I
1: think he's a peripheral character. Actually, did, yeah. Richard Did Baker uh, is
0: star. a she get Okay. Did she actually get a part in this though? Says something about her film extras. Oh no, uh, she yeah.
1: was a burlesque queen.
0: She was oh, noticed. That's like an extra. So that's okay.
1: Interesting. So
0: she, so she was just
1: park. half naked, probably. Yeah, which, I mean, which she's is to get noticed. Which is what she does for a lot of her early films until her breakout film that that's we'll right. get to. in a Couple minutes.
0: It's it's kind of the same thing we're seeing with Instagram, like. If you're half naked and it looks fine, you're going to get noticed. Damn it. Doesn't make any well, sense. What's the what's the what's the counteraction from a guy?
1: I mean Yeah, what do we get?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean outside of We having,
1: we just have the opportunity to do podcasts and maybe we'll Yeah. get noticed and uh, hey, do another podcast, but do it for like this, Westwood One or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get get on a network with some background. But uh what I was going to say is I actually this is going to get kind of dark. I was talking about with one of my buddies about how Women have so many jobs that men could never, ever have. For instance, like a webcam chick, a chick who just sits in her house and gets naked on a webcam. Guys, yeah, who wants money. to
1: see. Like, yeah,
2: what's the
0: girls what don't do?
1: girls don't really want that. They don't no. No, at least At least that's what <laughs> who knows, though. At least that's what girls that I've dated and girls that become my wife have said. You know, yeah, I was at. I don't want to see no guy's dick. I don't want to see, like, they yeah. <laughs> don't want to see guys like just taking their clothes off. But, you know, they, I guess there is an audience for it, though.
0: I would imagine. Be. That's what we kind of came to the conclusion the same thing. It's like there has to be an audience for it. There has to be some women out there asking for it because you can even see, like, you know, large women on webcams making a shit ton of money from that yeah. stuff. But, right. you right. know, you see that people just kinda do...
1: shows. You hear about people doing some of the grossest They're... shit ever on there. And they're making yeah. money. You know. Yeah, it's
2: disgusting.
1: And it's like pissing on so people how, or whatever. But
0: <laughs> how to important get into the is
1: fucking the mile
0: these days? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> how important is your looks these days? I mean, especially for being a girl. I think you can pretty much be any looking girl and get paid to be naked online. I'm almost oh. positive.
1: Yeah, I, I guarantee. Yeah, you're right. And. <laughs> You also have these, all these filters and shit that you can just make mm-hmm. yourself look good. <laughs> you know, all yeah. you can just like do from a certain angle, where it's like, oh, yep. she has, she has big bombs. Like, oh yeah. no, that's just the right and angle. Why is it
0: so dark? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, we got what? off track there a little bit, but it was beautiful. It's poetry. <laughs> um, later that year, when Barabbas was uh, being filmed near Verona, Tate was once again hired as an extra. Actor Jack Palance, you might have heard of him if you're old enough. Uh, He was impressed by her appearance. Oh, oh? (laughs) were were Uh you impressed by how hot she was? Seems strange. I didn't think you judged a book by its cover, Mr. Jack Palance. Uh, Anyways, (laughs) clearly he does. (laughs) Although her role was too small to judge her talent, he arranged for a screen test for her in Rome, but it did not lead to further work. So she's still trying and getting recognized everywhere she goes. So she was that... You know, bombastic. I don't know. That's not the correct word, but it, it sounds good. Um, it Tate returns to the United States alone. I would alone. say she's bombastic. I, I, I would think so, right? I feel like that might have been a little bit more aggressive. I feel like she was a little shy, but she was not aloof. Anyways, uh, <laughs> saying, <laughs> <laughs> saying she wanted to further her studies uh, in this film, uh, she tried to find more film work. After a few months, Doris Tate, who feared for her daughter's safety, suffered a nervous breakdown, and her daughter was Persuaded to return to Italy, so she came back home after trying to get all this work. Uh, if you got, all right. It, so that, well,
1: let me just point that right. out real quick because um, this is going to come up later. Possibly is that the the mother is going to go have obviously after the death, she's going to go through some shit with her daughter dying. But it's you see it already here at this point that she doesn't even want her daughter to be away from her or from you know from the country. So. And it's and she's having a nervous breakdown this early, and that's something that will continue on in that in her in Doris Tate's life, going Is all the way until her death.
0: A mother's intuition, you'd call it.
1: <sighs> yeah, just I, just being a parent, probably, but I mean, yeah. that's
0: that's grim as fuck. Yeah, when you think about like just having that feeling inside of you to the point of it causing mental difficulties on your end. It shows how deep it's cutting. Right. Or just, just thinking that something could go wrong.
1: Yeah, I mean it's not just because you're a parent, but you know there's got to be that part of her already that has some kind of mental issue. True. Where now that she has a daughter and the daughter is gone, <laughs> it's only going to you know multiply it, multiply the effects of her illness. Right. She may have not saying she does but it seems like there's a history of it
0: for it to come on this strong i would think yeah. so yeah uh the family did return to the united states in 1962 and that's when sharon moved to los angeles uh she had contacted richard baimer's agent harold who i loves last name gefsky richard baimer
1: cool. is the guy that was in that movie that she that she yeah. got in with uh, the uh, hemingway. hemingway
0: hemingway yeah, yeah. But Harold Gefsky, I like it. Um, he, he met with her, agreed to represent her, and he would secure work for her in television and magazine advertisements. So by 1963, he had introduced her to Martin Ransohoff. That's not a good one. Uh, he's a director of Filmways Incorporated. He signed her to a seven-year contract. Uh, she was Seven, considered. Seven years.
1: Well, thick. there's a little uh, reasoning behind a seven-year contract, from mm-hmm. what I've read and what I've. Watching some documentaries about her, is that they thought that all right, she's good looking, and this is a, a format they would that, that they would use a lot back in the fifties and the sixties, is that they'll get them signed, and they'll take a few years with them, but then by the seventh year, like the fifth, sixth, seventh year, they'll have a breakout star on their hands, so they're willing to sign them for a long-term contract. Knowing that they have four years of work they need to do before they become the big star that they want. So, seven years.
0: Okay, so the last, what, three to four years is, you know, embracing the star?
1: Right, and putting them in the big top spots in all the movies. But, Hmm. like, three years of training, really, is what's happening there. And getting them in, like, bit parts on, like, sitcoms and different spots just to get them some experience.
0: Interesting. And Very interesting.
1: As we go forward, you'll see that's what happens with her. Is that she's going to be on a bunch of sitcoms throughout this early part of the 60s.
0: And that's exactly 64. where she starts to probably get really good at her comedic timing. Right.
2: Like the Beverly Just Hills Billies.
0: Yeah, a few lines, Mr. Ed. Stuff like that. You know, if you guys don't remember what Mr. Ed was. <laughs> It was this really fantastic show about a horse. (laughs) Oh, Wilbur. About a horse who was a genius. And I think what he he is, he helped start Google or something, I think. Anyways, he was. uh... (laughs) 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 I don't care. Let's move past it because we just found out (laughs) J.C. Bring was actually a former sailor. So. Oh, you just look up this. He's a hairstylist. Yeah, he was yeah, a. What?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, he's a big hairstylist. I was gonna mention yeah. that earlier. I did look it up after you brought his name up. I
0: mean, what are we saying here? He's a sailor, and a hairstylist in Hollywood. His name is Jay Sebring. I mean, there's a. This is an equation leading to one answer, and I think he's gay.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. Is that <laughs> she was like, "No, nah, we're, be... we're not getting married." She's like, "I know." No, you're in the closet that's all right you can keep being my friend
0: (laughs) yeah we can be friends forever i'll be friends with one of the hottest girls that's ever been in acting ever i'll just be her friend and also i'm gonna do hair wait hold on (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah you're you're right on that's spot on it makes sense yeah
0: i mean i mean it is a tragedy still i mean r.i.p jc bring fucking sucks of course but you know, Ugh, yeah. gotta bring some light to the situation as it is. He was probably a great dude. I mean, he had to have been a good friend.
2: Because, oh, absolutely. Keep in
0: mind, she was pregnant this entire time. You know, not and this he's keeping time, her company. But, yeah, he was with her a lot of the time.
1: Right, um, while well, uh, while well, her husband is you know away working, which is fine, yes. but she needs company. Her five and foot she's tall husband.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. you well, know, well, well. The villain in this story <laughs> is just as short as him too.
2: Oh
0: fucking weird man what happened it's like imagine okay you you pit you say you pit you pit uh times against each other like 2019 versus 1979 and just our people from now versus their people from then age 30 to 40 years old no 25 to 40 years old and we just go at it we fight them right <laughs> it's a battle dude we would crush those guys we would destroy
1: yeah, just we just keep getting bigger and bigger. as, as humans. Dude,
0: They'd be like, they didn't even sell size twelve shoes in your regular stores. You had to order them online back then. And of, online, was online not even a thing. <laughs> you had to order them through the mail. It was some weird ass service. We'd be we'd be giants of those. Yeah, people. you had to find like, like
1: some rogue them? company yeah. through a magazine article and clip it out. You need size twelve <laughs> shoes. Well, this is yep, where you can get them
0: old it is too is we have to still clip it out of an article in the back of a magazine but we would crush them dude even the average five foot ten person now is bigger than a dude who's five ten back then because that big dude was the tallest guy in the neighborhood everyone else is (laughs) five right yeah it's an eighth grader like what's happening (laughs) now now we have seven foot two tenth graders who are you fucking with 1979 (laughs) that's all i'm asking if there was uh, a way to do that for us to travel back in time, we should definitely have time wars. We should just fight the people from back then. Time wars, matter. I love it. <laughs> Let's do it. Oh, that sounds good. That sounds like a TV show, like a really shitty one. but
1: <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like an, another podcast. <laughs> we, uh, we're going to take yeah, two pick. people from
2: different times. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, so we put, our, we put the actual recession, the first recession, the 1930s, right? Was it the recession? The yeah. first one? Yeah, the and depression. Then, there you go, against the recession of, what, 2008? Yep. The Those Great people...
1: Recession against the Great Depression. Oh, my God. Boom. The recession people. Yeah,
0: it's, we it's would no still,
2: contest. Crush, We'd still crush it.
0: We would still crushed. Those people were so skinny. Dude, <laughs> there was no food back then. We were crushing them in 2009,
1: 2008. Oh, a lot of them are survivors, though. They're scrappy. They <laughs> That's would've... true.
0: Dude, but they would, and they, they were would, probably harder
1: workers though. Back in the 30s, yeah, there was no cows. Th- no, you know what I mean? nobody. So,
0: well, maybe everyone's drinking milk. Maybe that's all they had. Yeah. Oh man, this could be this could be a very interesting
1: make tournament bracket on this time was tournament. Just make a March Madness tournament bracket.
2: Yeah, beautiful.
1: Even historical beautiful. figures against each uh, other.
0: We would have leaders each year. Would have to have a leader. Right. So the 1930s depression would have a leader versus the 1930s 2008 recession leader. And then we'd have just the general idea of what we think the people are like, because even during the recession, I think we were still eating what was still popping off. I mean, Dallas wasn't even feeling the recession then. That's no bullshit. They didn't feel it.
2: So many places. It's the
0: oil. Exactly. So we we still have those people on our side. Because guess what? Still 2008.
1: Living in 2008. I wasn't affected. By it,
0: nineteen thirties. The 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 only competition we had was the Rockefellers, probably.
2: Yeah, Rockefellers, you know,
0: Vanderbilts, the the captains of industry. Sure, I guess but maybe some hookers? of the
1: boxers, some of the boxers, still back thin, in the 1930s. very thin. <laughs>
0: yeah, you're right. You put any boxer from two thousand nine <laughs> in the recession <laughs> or two thousand, <laughs> dude, they're crushing them. It would be brittle. I feel like they're all too thin. Everyone now, we're all fucking huge. Doesn't matter <laughs> if you're fat or not. You're a big bone son of a bitch now. I swear it's right. a thing. It's so weird we got on this tangent, but I love it because that's so brilliant. The people that have listened to this and heard us just go through that. We just gave you a gift.
1: Yeah, they're gonna be clamoring this is a for gift it. From us to
0: you. Oh,
1: say hey, uh, what are you gonna do there at Time Wars?
0: That's. It. They better hit us up about it. If somebody, if one person hits us up saying, "When's we time, need time Wars, Wars round one?" That's right. If one person hits us up on social media at Victims Cast on Twitter, we'll do the show. Yeah. We'll make we might just do exclusives yeah, for this episode special. for this podcast. Yeah. yeah. Or Patreon or some shit. We'll figure out something. We will do it. But one person who's listened to the show has to come out and say something about it. We need audience participation in this part. That's all oh, I'm yeah. gonna say. All right. So uh continuing on, speaking of time, nineteen sixty four Tate actually made her a screen test for Sam uh, Peckinpah. That's just okay. What a crazy <laughs> name! What is that? Pe- Peckinpah, Peckinpah. dude. Do not-
1: <laughs> I don't. Go ahead. Yeah, what the hell is that from Peckinpah? That- I don't
0: like it though. Who? What is it? It's just a weird last right name. Now, is it Japanese? Peckinpah. Agreed. that Tate's Timothy. I don't. Have- I want to read different now. <laughs> Peckinpah agreed that the timidity and lack of experience would cause her to flounder in such a large pot. And she was rejected in favor of Tuesday's Weld. Tuesday Weld, what is happening? The names of movies, even back then, were so dumb. It was either super obvious or so vague. You're like, what am I watching?
1: No, it's funny, yeah, though. Tuesday... I just looked it up. Sorry to cut you off. But uh, Peckinpah yeah. um, yeah. has some roots in Northwest. Europe, so that would be, I guess, like
0: I've never, yeah, France, I've never seen
1: or even England, but then it also has a lot of relatives and Native American ancestry, so it does sound Native American when you think about it. Yeah,
0: it's even spelled like that. If it was spelled, I don't know, there's no other spelling, let's be honest. (laughs) <laughs>
2: this is yeah, a singular
0: it. spelling. It's it looks exactly how it sounds. Peck and Pa, how else do you spell that? P e c k i n p a h. There's no other. Oh, well, I it.
1: found the I found the alternate spellings.
0: <laughs> you spell P
1: e c k i n p a u g h. Peck and paw.
0: Oh, that, that that looks better. Honestly, oh. that looks way better, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, that looks it looks better. less
0: Native American. I'm not saying that's better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it doesn't look as Native American, so it's better. No, that's not what we're saying. That's not what he's first saying.
0: Sam. When your first name is Sam, it should be that other spelling that doesn't look Native American. Your name is Sam. Come on, dude. Right. It shouldn't be. You can fix I mean, the last I mean,
1: part. Paul. Paul. Yeah.
0: And this dude it's was semi famous. He was like a director or something. Right? I don't yeah. care. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> She was uh she unsuccessfully also auditioned for the role of Liesel in the film what is that Lies um these names I can't do it today uh is it Liesel I think it's Liesel whatever it's the film version of The Sound of Music uh Rance gave okay. uh Tate walk on roles and motion pictures yeah uh, in which he was the producer the Americanization of Emily and The Sandpiper. Come on, dude! What the
1: fuck is that? <laughs> hey, it's, a, oh, I'm... it's a lot of movies. So, you know, we're we're from a different time, so we're we're '80s babies. Yeah. So we don't know exactly. a lot of these '60s movies.
2: I just
0: pick. You know, le-
1: unless it's movie. you know one of the the big ones.
0: They sound like 25 cent movies. Let's be honest, okay? <laughs> Nickel movies. Yeah, right. To go down and see the Sandpiper.
1: Let's go to go the to Nickelodeon. <laughs>
0: with me with me pals i don't know where i'm at right now with this accent but uh the sandpiper sounds like an old movie you're not gonna see a remake of the sandpiper anytime soon and i promise you this: if you did it's not called the sandpiper there might be a sandpiper what is that even i don't i'm look we're getting off track too much uh, in late 1965 ronson uh, this guy finally gave tate her first major motion picture role in the eye of the devil co-starring a bunch of people, most of us have never heard of.
1: Well, there's one that I do want to point out, is yeah, Donald Pleasance. Donald Pleasance is most notably known as being Dr. Loomis from the Halloween series, from you know the 1978 right. Michael Myers Halloween. He's the doctor, you know, the main character other than Michael Myers. Oh, all in costume, Lee do- Curtis.
0: That's pretty good. Donald Pleasance, it's good.
1: And then that's it. From that point on, that's all I would know of his history is being yeah. in the Halloween movies because that was at the end of his career. But he had a long history prior to that. In the Eye of the Devil, I think is one of the most, like the, the biggest movie that she was in at this point.
0: Yeah, directed by Jay Lee Thompson. Never really heard of him, but I'm sure he was great back then. But here's here's something weird. Speaking on the names that we can't stop, you know, we can't get away from. Uh, Tate and Sebring actually traveled to London to prepare for filming when she met <laughs> the Alexandrian Wiccan high priest and high priestess, Alex and Maxine Sanders. All right.
2: wow. <laughs> Who the hell are they? Yeah,
0: you don't... Don't <laughs> uh, yeah, they're fucking just Wiccan people, like witches. And uh, Alex and Maxine Sanders. All right, There is it's, some. It's just... I don't like there... it. I like what's happening here.
2: Oh, there
1: is some things later with this movie. The fact that this movie was about the devil and his wiccans and stuff—that her being in this movie got detectives and people involved in the case in the media to think that oh, this must you know the murders had to do with her being in wiccan movies and devil movies, which is such a fucking cop out of being investigators or the media is to just blame it on, Oh, she's in that kind of movie. So yeah, it's related to right. that. It's like, no, this is reality. Dumbass.
0: Do some real research. Look into it, you know? Yeah. Investigate you assholes. Right. And that's crazy too, because maybe this is a, maybe this is just my speculation. Something might've happened within this, uh, just being in these films and having to act scared or act terrified or act creepy where she brought some of it home with her and that's what kind of started the idea of the hauntings where she kind of had premonitions of some things happening to her or what have you. Which, circling back, she had to have inherited that from her mother. Hey guys, just want to take a minute away from the show to tell you a little bit about my friends, PodCoin. That's P-O-D-C-O. I n. I know you guys enjoy listening to podcasts, otherwise you would have never heard this ad. So if you would like to get paid to listen to podcasts, download the PodCoin app today. You will find every single podcast you can think of on PodCoin, and you can listen to it and get paid. And then you can take that money, donate it to charity, get an Amazon gift card. So many options, so many reasons to go download the Podcoin app right now. It is available on all iOS and Android devices. So get that Podcoin app today and get paid to listen. Use code SHAMUS for 300 Podcoin at sign up. And now back to the show. Okay, so kind of what I was saying before about the premonitions that she might have got from being in films that were kind of on the darker side. It makes me wonder if, you know, you can also go all the way back and think that maybe she inherited some of this superstition or, you know, cerebral visions, I guess, from her mother. Because they just made an entire feature film about the haunting of Sharon Tate basically stating in you know a subtle way that she had some things going on in her mind before she ever even anything ever even happened to her
1: right and that's the thing that when I watched the movie not knowing about like how the mother felt and all that and maybe you know if you believe in anything that mm-hmm. and in that in that way it, was, it kind of threw me off It's like eh, I don't know if I like this but For sure Who knows
0: we but, don't know uh, oh. How no, the world exactly.
1: works and, You know everything
0: Yeah But uh Before we actually get talking about the film that just came out Because for this podcast We should tell you that we both actually watched this film already It's called The Haunting of Sharon Tate And it stars Hilary Duff Who actually still looks like a Disney character uh, She still looks like a Disney star Oddly enough <laughs> I think uh, she but, looked good though
1: as still apparently. looks the
0: same though right crazy she still looks very she could be Hillary Duff in Lizzie McGuire ah uh, th- dude when's the I'm last disagree, time you saw her but... well exactly. I don't remember
1: her as being <laughs> Lizzie McGuire <laughs> she, 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 she didn't look like a 15 year old to me
0: yeah she does she looks older I'll give her that she does look older but she's still pretty I'm just saying it's been a while since you've seen her and she still very much resembles Lizzie McGuire because that was what she's known for. Oh, but she she, she did a great job. She really did. Honestly, she was believable believable as Sharon Tate in my mind yeah. in this film. And but, right,
1: with but with that said, you know, we're talking about the age and how she looks young and all that, but Hilary Duff is actually older than Sharon Tate was. Sharon Tate was killed that night.
0: Yeah. She was she was, she was like
1: four years, five years older.
0: Mm-hmm. It's crazy when you try and put into perspective how old a certain celebrity is when they pass. Right. Because you're like, that dude is, uh, that's a child, really. You know, somebody who's really young, fairly new to the world. Twenty six. Yeah. As we had priorly mentioned, you know, she's married. She marries uh, Roman Polanski. She met him uh, in London after filming. And she immersed herself in the fashion world and nightclubs. That's how she kind of ran into this guy. Uh, I say guy because he's not nearly as a prominent name for good purposes these days. Well, you know, we won't. Yeah, we don't need to dive into, into, that. into him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the company actually traveled to Italy for filming where Tate's uh, fluent Italian so she could speak Italian. That's crazy. Uh, proved useful, useful in communicating with local crew members. Uh, Roman Polanski being a perfectionist had little patience with the inexperienced Tate and said in an interview that one scene had required 70 takes before he was satisfied. So he also seems very anal. That yeah. I that too. No pun yeah. intended. <laughs> um, <laughs> throughout all left. of this, uh, let's see, what do we got? Uh, she returned to the United States to film. Don't make waves with Tony Curtis. And this is where she left Polanski in London. Um, let's see this beach boys, uh, Jan and Dean. Uh, just oh, a bunch, the bunch
2: of beach boys connection. Go happening. Ahead.
0: Well, yeah.
1: we'll get to that later. Probably with the beach boys connection. If we start. Yeah. I think we're going to get into that. Right.
0: I would think so. It'll, it'll come up eventually. All right. Uh because we're, you know, yeah. Uh, Polanski had returned to the United States and was contract uh, contra- contracted by the uh, head of Paramount Pictures to direct and write the screenplay for Rosemary's Baby, which was based on Ira Levin's novel of the same name. So around this time, you know, he gets he gets this uh, huge movie, but uh, it's a creepy one, once again, kind of encompassing the uh, entire idea between, you know, Sharon Tate and Polanski and just this whole tale. It's all very dark.
1: Then you think that they Let's would see. maybe cast Sharon Tate in this role? They go with Mia Farrow instead.
0: Yeah, it'd be easy. I mean, she's even prettier than Mia Farrow by a lot. <laughs> uh, some magazines uh, commented that Tate was viewed similarly and looked the part as well. Like I said, it you know, makes sense. Yeah. But obviously, he doesn't want to work with his wife. There's some sort of issues. Although there. he has already, it's though. More... Yeah, well, it doesn't make sense.
1: Right. The fearless vampire but, killers. But... And actually, yep. and actually, we didn't mention this, but that's when Ron Plansky takes his nude photos of Sharon Tate during the filming of that. And those go into Playboy. On the set weird. of the fearless vampire killers.
0: Seems odd, doesn't it? It just seems like a weird thing to do because I'm sure she wasn't naked there by herself then on top of that, he went and gave it to a, a naked magazine. Right. Like, That's yeah, your is. wife. Huh? Mother of your dude. child. Yeah. Yeah. He is. Uh, so they got married in 1967, late 1967. Uh, 1960, let's see, nineteen uh, sixty They were married in Chelsea, London, excuse me, on January 20th, 1968, with uh, considerable public- publicity, as you'd assume, because of who they were. Uh, while Tate reportedly wanted a traditional marriage, Polanski remained somewhat uh, promiscuous and described Tate's attitude to his infidelity as Sharon's big hang-up.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, that's, d- that's the thing, yeah. That is the hang-up. That's He's what a little girls mad. would be pissed off about, is cheating on them.
0: Yeah, I would it. assume that's one of the big ones. <laughs> uh, Polanski actually urged Tate to end her association with Martin Ransoff. Rantzahoff, stupid name, uh, and Tate began to place less importance in her career until Polanski Polanski told her he wanted to be married to a hippie, not a housewife. So what, he assumed that she was a hippie in the beginning, or that's what she was claiming to be, or she seemed to be? I don't know. I didn't get a hippie vibe.
1: No, no hippie vibe, other than the fact that she was a brat, a military brat, and she had to move from place to place. But that doesn't constitute being a hippie. You know, no. for somebody that's not even part of this American culture, to use that term, it's, he has no mm-hmm. place. <laughs> because that is yeah. not something happening anywhere else in the in the world. So, he
0: and doesn't then really the, know what that is. Right. The comp- combination of friends doesn't even, you know, uh, generalize the idea of hippies. You know, Jane Fonda, Joan Collins, Kirk Douglas, Henry Fonda. All right. Jim Morrison. That's that's awesome. And I also didn't know this. Terry Melcher was uh, dating Candace Bergen.
1: Yeah. Yep. Huh. And they used to be the the residents of the home. Yes. That they would end up renting yeah. out and where the you know, timely deaths happen. Yeah. On Celio Drive. But um, to go back to what you just mentioned before is that their lifestyle you know, he was saying it was all not quite, like, hippie or whatever, yeah. there was a term for it is that it was unestablishment establishment. So while they were not part of, like, this Hollywood elite establishment, they were part of more of an underground establishment that didn't really mix with everybody, kind of did their own thing. So they weren't trying to smooth with all the big timers. They were part of a smaller group. That was yeah. doing their own thing. So The unestablished establishment.
0: Everybody had to have a label, huh? Yeah.
1: So <laughs> Candace Bergen at that point was part of that. She was actually a few years younger than, than Tate here at this point.
0: It's crazy. I had no idea that she was uh, had any relation to this at all. Yeah. Melcher. Interesting. Crazy. Uh,
1: When we get to the, I'm sure we'll get to the Manson stuff, but he has a big role in that and potentially what, why she ended up being killed.
0: Yeah. Uh, Because the summer of 1968, Tate Tate actually began working on The Wrecking Crew. It's a comedy in which he played Freya Carlson, an accident prone spy
2: who was also a romantic
0: interest yeah, that's right. For the star, Dean Martin. You might have heard of him. Uh, I think he has uh, a line of uh, ranch dressings out there. Uh, check him out. <clears throat> now, performed... I,
1: thought, I thought Paul Newman had the dressings.
0: I know, man. That's the joke. <laughs> uh, she actually performed her own stunts and was taught martial arts by Bruce Lee, who you might have also heard of. He's a, a day chef, I think. Pretty good at martial arts as well, they've said. <laughs> Makes a, makes a hell of a teriyaki, though, I'll tell you. Uh, the film was successful and brought Tate strong reviews, with many reviewers praising her comedic performance, as I had mentioned priorly. Uh, the New York Times critic, we don't need to tell his name because these people aren't real, um, he wrote, The only nice thing is Sharon Tate. She was a tall, really great-looking girl. Martin commented, This is a guy, and he intended to make her another Matt Helm film, and that he wanted Tate, to reprise her role. So she's getting in there, man. You really like the height of her fame, 1968, 1969. Uh, But moving on to February 15, 1969, her and Polanski actually had moved to 150 Cielo Drive in Benedict Canyon. Now, this is a big deal. This is a big location, the prime location. Absolutely. And I still have no idea what it looks like on the inside. But what we do know is there has been many, many owners before this. Uh, Clark Gable had lived there at one point. Uh, The infamous, I wouldn't just say infamous, but the famous uh, Terry Melcher. You know, the record producer for the Beach Boys. And uh, hit him with the Beach Boys statistic thing that you have. And then we'll, we'll talk about this movie so we can give some more details about the actual location.
1: Well, one of the uh, the Wilson brothers had attended parties when Terry Melcher had been renting out the the house, and there was a special character that came around, and that that was Charlie Manson, and he was like a budding mu- musician. He wanted to be a big star, and he thought mm-hmm. by you know going to this party by meeting Terry Melcher and working you know, or talking talking with uh Wilson that he was going to get in and he was going to be a big star and they didn't see it in it they didn't see it in him. He was a convict he had been in jail for for years he was you know for a few years or rather, and he was writing songs he wrote like seventy songs and he came, and he was at the party, and he performed, and they were kind of like, nah, we don't want you. I'll sit with you.
0: <laughs> That's enough, sir.
1: Yep, <laughs> and that happened in the house that Sharon Tate would be killed in.
0: Yeah, so, it was actually alleged that um, Mr. Charles Manson had actually partied at that house several times. Right. While it he was knew the the residence. <clears throat> That's right. Like he knew the layout. Like
1: he knew how to get in. Mm-hmm. You know, certain rooms that people would need to be in, like, even like the design of the construction of some of the rooms would be good for hanging people.
0: Yeah. Not you knew cool. all that. But before the young starlet actually met her demise, she was already in fear for her life, as we had mentioned before. And that's where this movie, The Haunting of Sharon Tate, kind of starts. She's pregnant, August 1st, 1968, or so a few months into her living in this house. And I don't even know if Roman was known to have been there at any point after they had moved in, or at least not for very long. Yeah, I have but, no idea. It was definitely a thing where she had her friends. Her friends were always around. People were always staying at the house. People were staying at the guest house or on the property somehow, some way. There was always like four people there. Multiple people, and then they'd have some of their other friends staying as well, kind of you know, where Sharon wasn't aware, but she needed the company, right? I mean,
1: right, exactly. She's pregnant, pregnant. first
0: time, she's it's
1: only 28 years old, yeah, 26, right? Wait, 20, 26.
0: And, yeah, at this point, nightmares are apparently rampant. She's waking up in the middle of the night, cold sweats, not feeling right. You know, now, the thing is,
1: do we know that that's true,
2: or is that? I would,
0: this is what I. Here is my scripted. theory. I, I think that, due to being a first-time mother, she had, she might have had some things wrong with her. You know, just, I know.
1: I just mean like documented.
0: I don't know. It's hard to say because everybody that was there in the house probably are the ones well, that they're are all victims. dead,
1: right? Yeah. So nobody so just can really speculation say. From yeah. Somebody fifty years later, but
0: 40 did years she? Later. There's, there's kind of references from the film where she had talked to somebody, like some other people that were around. I'm, um, I could be mistaken, just like making phone calls and different things that she had said yeah. to someone. But as, as we can speculate, I would assume that this might have been the case because going back to her mother's psychological issues and fear of abandonment when she left. How does Sharon feel being pregnant, extra hormones, and her husband not being around? Right.
2: Filling so that void.
0: With, yeah. yeah. So who knows? I, I think it's highly possible that a lot of these things could could have actually taken place, but I don't know. I mean, like I said, none of us have actually been inside this yellow drive location, especially right after the crime to see anything precise, like the fact that <clears throat> Charlie was still leaving records and they were setting the house up and all this different thing doing really creepy shit while they were still living there be- long before they killed him basically referencing the idea that maybe charlie already knew that terry melcher was gone
1: yeah you would think they would know that he was gone already <laughs> at this point why would they yeah because- just show up
0: right because they keep showing up that's the whole weird thing throughout the film now like i said the film stars hillary duff and a couple other people that play the other characters the main characters the jc brings the abigail folger and uh, Ransom, uh guy the other guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh apparently sorry, this, this sorry he's all... a
1: victim but yeah.
0: yeah this is alleged though uh, a week into moving in she was awoken in the middle of the night by a strange man in the doorway and she followed him yeah. And then this is like kind of a, a premonition into seeing her own death. Was that real? Was it not? It's mm-hmm. a movie. Watch mm-hmm. it. Check it out. See what you think. It, it is definitely another interesting perspective on this whole situation. And it's the thing,
1: though. With movies, they don't have to be totally realistic. No, they just have no. to give you a kind of viewpoint.
0: It's, know, it's based on a true story. It's right. never a true story.
1: Right. And when you watch it, you, you get the gist of what happened. You get the basic details. What went down, and you get a good understanding of it. You even get a good layout mm-hmm. of what the house was like. You get all that.
0: All right, so, uh.
1: Yeah, so, you get a basic understanding of what happened that night.
0: Another, uh, random fact here is, uh, Cielo actually means heaven in Spanish. Found that out from the movie.
1: Well, there's a reason for that, and it makes sense, is that that is the highest point in Hollywood.
0: Um, see what we do here guys We told you you'd learn something <laughs> <laughs> At least one thing Um, <clears throat> here's This is just some random things that I wrote down That are possibly true because of the film Made me believe Um, Her group of friends were very weird And she might not have been super friendly With all of them But they were very loyal to each other uh, She had an ongoing friendship With her ex-boyfriend Which was the JC brain fella who was a hairstylist, and <sighs> he was probably just gay. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Abigail Folger.
1: <laughs> nothing wrong with it. It's just, it's... Yeah, nothing
0: wrong with it. Just saying that he was. was not telling anyone. We can say yeah. that. I don't think anybody knew. Maybe her, his best friend, one of the most beautiful women in Hollywood. Just saying. Doesn't happen like you think. I mean, how? come on, guys. We all knew the kid in school who was friends with all the hot girls, but right. he was not dating any of them. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> he knew all their secrets but <laughs> anyways uh he would come to the sleepovers because no one. Would, anyways uh, They're abigail, <laughs> yeah exactly abigail folger was actually the heir to the morning joe uh folgers if you don't know i'm not going to have to explain that to you uh manson and the family apparently came looking for terry melcher more than once before this all happened which like i said it could have meant that he knew who lived there before he randomly had everyone inside the house killed. To me, I'm thinking he knew.
2: I don't know because, if he knew. Listen to this. Hate. What about this?
0: What if this part of the story, this perspective came from Charlie? Because he was still alive. Maybe he knew that he had went to the house multiple times. Told people that he, had no- he knew before you know, Terry Melcher moved that somebody else lived there. It wasn't Terry's house anymore. Maybe he said this, and that's how they got the information. That could be possible. Yeah. You know, like, he was like, oh, I had left uh, multiple tapes and shit there long after Terry moved out. I had premeditated killing, having them killed. Didn't matter who lived in the house.
1: Maybe it's just familiarity with the, the landscape of it. Like, they know how to get up to that point. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, so the, he didn't care, yeah.
1: It's, sec- right, it's secluded, so it's like, alright, this is a good spot to do something.
0: But then LeBianca's...
1: That was... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a different story. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it makes you nice wonder, night.
0: anyways. Uh, the dog freaked out one night, at least in this film, Uh, when a package was left, and the package was uh what, another tape from uh, Charlie. And apparently he had been leaving multiple tapes over and over because, according to the movie, many friends, all the friends that were there had stacked up these tapes. You know, they told Charlie to go away, stop leaving the shit, dude doesn't live here, et cetera, et cetera. Now, like I said, this is purely speculative because it's from a perspective that can't be validated. Nobody can say – Sharon can't say for certain that this happened. That's all – and no witnesses basically, right?
1: Right, and there's nothing reported
0: anywhere official. Yeah. August 7th, 1969, Abigail Folger, whoever the actress was that was playing her, was like crack skinny, just want to make that note, fucking freakishly skinny what was wrong with Hollywood that?
1: actress, uh-huh. <laughs> Uh her against the real Abby, Fol- Abby Folger, yeah, no,
0: for sure, uh, her dog was found dead in the movie, I don't know if that actually happened, so yeah, that just seems like
1: it could have been a part of a film where it just builds up suspense. Like, yeah. Oh, pep, poor dog. Oh, shit, something's going down. That kind of thing.
0: Uh, Apparently, Sharon, Sharon and the people were listening to Manson's music in the house at one point before things got really weird. I mean, that's also speculation, just <laughs> as far as the movie says. Like, if he was leaving tapes, were they playing them? I don't know. But it seems, as far as the movie, that the family was constantly messing with them you know like and it, to me it seems like that could be possible maybe the whole thing with him assuming that Terry Melcher still lived there was just fake he knew what he was going to do regardless the young hollywood starlet pregnant and then you got the ex boyfriend uh, to, <laughs> to me it kind of makes sense
1: To me it kind of makes sense though that he would not know who lives there think he just knows uh-huh. Aaron. i know no like he thinks that it's still Melch's family. He knows they have parties there, and in his mind, he's thinking
0: tapes? You think that's real.
1: No, if he if he did send tapes there, then you know that's up. Like I said, you said too for our speculation is right. that they they listen to the music, whatever. But just the idea that all right, I'm gonna send my minions and they're gonna go kill the people in this house. He could just be thinking. Oh, it's the same people that have been partying there, and we're just going to go in and kill them all. Not knowing that it's now I, just I it a pregnant a pregnant woman and a couple of her friends. He's thinking that these people that fucked him yeah. over.
0: It's just people, and more than one that you know. It looks like people that don't live there as well. So, lo- like a party situation. And right. uh, more often than not, even when Sharon wasn't there, right? There's plenty of talk of all these different people that had stayed on the property while, yeah, they before this had, happened, after, or, even had somebody Watching
1: the house, you know, yeah. watching the house and the guest house. So they had that person. That was so. the
0: hippie thing, right? That's where they right. were trying to claim their hippiness is right. by letting all their friends stay at their house for free. Open space type of situation. No more locked doors. All right, so how much would... Charlie
1: Manson really know of what's going on in that house while he's off living in a desert or living in some shack out in an old movie set. Isn't yes. no shit going on like i I lived in my house for like four years. I was still getting mail from the old residents. <laughs> like the people don't even know he doesn't live here anymore, that's so that's good
0: that makes sense, yeah,
1: so Charlie Manson it. doesn't really know who lives in that house, but he knows that's the house where he went to party, and he said, "Fuck that house, fuck those people know those that- people."
0: Yeah, he knew that whoever that elite circle was that was there while he was partying, there's a chance that they could be reoccurring guests. Yeah, they could be
1: especially on, especially on what I think it was a Friday or Saturday night, too.
0: Yep, and and just from the exterior looking in through the windows, it looks like there's uh, some sort of a uh, get together. You know,
1: or not because you know they may have went at like midnight, one o'clock. I forget the time, but. They were trying to surprise him.
0: Well, no, what I'm saying is looking at inside, it's not just a man and a wife watching television or some shit. It's a group of people. There's more than one person, more than two people, and they're all relatively the same age. So it could look like friends getting together. So it's like, let's take them out because they could be anyone. And it doesn't matter who, but they're definitely somebody in the upper echelon of Hollywood – or what have you, or in the music industry, because of just pure speculation on their part.
2: Yeah,
1: that's true, too. <clears> that but it is... a
0: <clears throat> Excuse me.
1: So Whoever's guess... living in that house is somebody important. <laughs> right. In Hollywood.
0: So, fr- exactly. So take them out regardless, and that's what they did. I mean, you think about the ruthlessness and the way that they were actually all taken down. It is, uh, yeah, they wanted to send a message. But let's get into that, man. Let's talk about... The finality of it all. Why Sharon is, you know, this topic of today's uh, discussion.
1: Well, the, the one thing that I did take from it, like in like a historical perspective, is that when this murder happened, Sharon Tate, her friends, this age of exploration... This age of being free, pretty much ended, right here. This is when people start to lock their doors. This is when people are afraid of what the hell can happen at any time. You know, we're so free to just you know stick our thumbs out and get a ride from somebody. And say, hey, take me to California. But
0: after like Sharon our- Tate died, that was mm-hmm. done. Just like our, our first episode about. You know, talking to strangers or taking candies from strangers—it's ultimately what it kind of turned into. These right. cases, these victims, ultimately have changed the world in many, many ways. Right. Yeah. Both yep. episodes we've done. You know.
1: Right. You're locking your doors now at home after this. When you hear about oh shit, Sharon Tate can get killed from a home invasion, well, they can go after anybody. So yep. I'm locking my doors. This is not the same America that we lived in before.
0: It's changed. It's not a robbery. It was a murder. That's all it was.
1: Just for thrills.
0: Yeah. Now when did it happen? 1969?
1: Yeah, August of 1969. Summer of love. What they call it. and ended with the summer of death. And then it changed. The country. And then we get into this period. From this point on is serial killers throughout the 70s. Throughout the mid-80s. Is when you have the huge growth of what has become known as serial killers.
0: Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Like, throw some names in there and explain kind of like... Because I'm I'm curious. I'm I'm more or less listening to you talk now and I want to hear... I just want to know what... I, I totally agree with you. But...
1: Well, in, the, I've in the late the 60s right around the same time you you get the zodiac killer who's starting right around the same point and that's never been solved you have in the same I don't know what it is about California but so many it feels like so many things I hear you know and read about is California he had the Golden State killer and that was just a recent big story where he was he was found out by DNA testing. Mm-hmm. you know, the, you know the, I don't know like the Ancestry.com types and they were able to solve that and he was a big serial raper then a serial killer throughout the late 1960s and then you get into the 1970s you even get the BTK killer who starts in the 1970s you get the you get Richard um, Ramirez Ramirez Mm-hmm. In the seventies and the eighties, get Jeffrey Dahmer. In the late seventies, early eighties, Bundy. You got Bundy. It's just it's a Kemper, huge, huge thing. Yep, Kemper. In the late sixties and into the seventies, all That's these so guys strange. breaking out throughout during this time. It's just strange.
0: What's the psychology behind it, though? It's kind of what I. I what, how, how, it doesn't make sense you know what I mean why <laughs> why how did it happen what inserted that because if you look at the way that Charles Manson kind of put his situation together and the things that he did is completely different from the oh yeah
1: the, it's the, totally the different. Close, it's not,
0: the closeness yeah
1: it's not serial killer but it's the idea that you could get national attention from what you do because the media just, has grown
0: it's crazy such to a level. Think. Because we were just talking about Otis Toole, and he had a really low IQ. But guys like Bundy, They are all high
1: IQs, these guys. Yeah.
0: Is there something there, some sort of connection where they knew that, hey, I can also do these crimes, and get away with them for a certain time, and also get national recognition because of it? Do you think they knew that? Unlike the guys like Otis Toole and Henry Lee Lucas that probably just killed at random?
1: They're dumbasses.
0: Yeah. You're right.
1: I think these intelligent serial killers and the fact that they're serial killers is only because they were able to get away with it. Anybody that kills would probably keep killing again other than like the, you know, domestic dispute and shit like that. But somebody that is going to try to kill somebody at random because they want to kill, they're going to keep killing. And if they're smart, that's when they become serial killers. Yeah. A serial killer is not going to be an idiot.
0: Yeah, at least and
1: not. and some of them have an ego. Usually, they always have an ego that's going to perpetuate that feeling of oh, I like this. I wanna, I, I want more attention. Chosen.
0: I, right? I am I'm the best God, at this. I can take life. I have power in a sense. Uh, and in a lot of cases, you look, just look at the background of these guys. It's like they they were severely abused or ridiculed growing up yeah i mean they
1: all have their reasons why but i feel like anybody should
0: yes thank you that's able exactly to figure right out,
1: yes figure out you know that it's not right
0: It's so the, the combination is, is is it's the saying of if you can't take it then don't dish it or if you can't right. if you can dish it take it that whole thing it's exactly what it is that's a fucking uh the model to life i think if you can manage that that much of uh how society works then you'll be fine.
1: Yeah, right? You don't you don't repeat what happened to you. You no. shouldn't. You should know better.
2: Better.
0: Yeah,
1: out. It becomes a cop out is that you're, oh
0: You're blaming you, someone you're else. Weak.
2: Mm-hmm. You're
1: weak. You know, you're a weak human being that just wants to give in to the instincts because you figure, oh well, that's I was treated that way, so I'm gonna treat somebody else that way.
0: It's and it also has
1: Blind. and it also has to do with like upbringing, like besides that too, because a lot of these times, um, you, they might not get raised by their parent that abused them. They might get taken away from their parent and get put in homes. And in the homes, they might have a good parent, but it's already, you know, they already have it in their mind that, oh, I'm a piece of shit. I'm in a foster home. That's what they think. and I
0: can't do anything good.
1: Right. Um, my parents didn't want me. So they're still going back to that. They're not looking at the positives of their life the opportunities they have they're just looking back at all this bad stuff. Yes. I see that all the time with students too that I have is that, the way that, you
0: know Yeah, we had already kind of covered the concept of just being the kid who's like, well right. I look cool for doing shitty you know, and in the end it's like that's not going to pay off for you at all it's just the same right. way with just doing the work at all investing yourself but to be, you know, like making another connection between like Oddest Tool having such a low IQ And somebody like Manson, who's probably in the higher range, right? I would just assume. I would think he is. Yeah, seems like it. Because he accomplished this. He knew that he could be intellectual enough while you're drugged up.
1: And he didn't kill anybody.
0: Right. But he manipulated the fuck out of you. The best by far. Outside of maybe John Jones. Or Jim Jones, excuse me. Because, I mean, I honestly don't like the to think that the flavor aid was... Everyone took willingly. Does that make sense?
1: No way. People are forced into that.
0: Yeah, there was people with fucking... Like, We're we'll, we'll probably... In their
1: foreheads and shit. We'll probably get to that some, at some point.
0: But... Uh, so crazy, dude. So dark. It's not... Look at this. So far, out of all the research that we've done for anybody... I mean, this is a horrific, horrific crime. But when you look at the other case where that one... As far as survivors and victims go... The one lady who we were talking about, at the massage parlor that got stabbed, shot, and set on fire and survived, that should be like the basis for that should have been the first episode. That is the greatest you know story of survival, I think, of all time. The only thing that would have made it better is had she fallen like fifty feet out of the air as well. What's up guys? Just want to take a second away from the show to tell you about Muslim.com. That's muz mcom And today our listeners are receiving a 10% discount by using code SHAMUS10. And you are looking at an amazing apparel item. Something that you can take with you everywhere. Something that can transition from a backpack into a duffel bag or a duffel bag into a backpack. Whichever way you like it. Either way, it is for you. And you guys can get 10% off right now listening to this show. Simply visit Muslim.com slash discount slash Seamus10. And get that 10% off discount. Get that amazing duffel bag slash backpack before it's too late. And now, back to our show. Hey, we made it back and we're good. (laughs) And I change every time I leave. So every time I come back, I'm just going to be a different guy. (laughs) <laughs> uh, what was that one guy's name that we hated? I already forgot. I hated it so much. Uh, Peckin's, Peckin's Paw, you fucker. Peckin' Paw. Oh, what pa. a douche. <laughs> he probably was. Uh, I bet that's what they called him too in school. They didn't even call him Sam, they just used his last name. Peckin' Paw, get to the principal's office. Stop eating the fucking erasers. <laughs> you know what I realized today? Since I think just knowing that you're a teacher, we've hit a lot of really good. Uh, school jokes <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> you notice it
2: if you listen uh, yeah, to the show. back
0: you're gonna yeah it's, it's gonna because i have to listen to it anyways when i edit so i'm gonna hear it again but i feel like up at this I, we've done over an hour i'm sure and i feel like <laughs> a lot of it has we've definitely hit some definite uh school jokes that's
1: something that it's comes up.
0: it's yeah. fine yeah i mean it's an education podcast anyway so might as well right uh so uh Like we said, 1969, uh, this fucking crazy shit went down. Um, She was entertaining two friends, actress Joanna Pettage and singer Barbara Lewis, for lunch at her home. So this is well before this happened because it didn't happen until late at night. So like I said, there was always, right? There was always people with her or at her house.
1: She's very popular. She's a movie star.
0: Yeah, dude, everyone's riding that motherfucking train. Let's go. I'm coming to the top with you, lady. I have no skills. Let's do this. (laughs) That's the dumbest shit, isn't it? Like, I always told my friends, I was like, dude, if I ever make it, you guys are all coming with me, but believe me, you're going to be put to work. Like, I had constant, like, stupid jobs for all of them. (laughs) Like, I'd have a guy who could only, he had to sing every time he responded to me. Like, he couldn't say words, he had to sing them to me. So if I was like, hey, man. You want to go? You want to go to the basketball game today? He'd have to be like, "Fuck yeah!" No matter what, always singing. So even in front of people, he'd have to sing. You know, just to make, just to make my life happier. Like, you know, that's all he. That's all. He, and you get good money. I give you good money. It's fine. But you do have to. You have to bring something to the table. Even if he's not a good singer, that'd be better if he wasn't a good singer.
2: Every, everybody like has could that see gimmick. It in his face
0: that he hated it. Yeah.
1: It's like wrestling. You this gotta have a gimmick. Hate. You want to be around.
0: That's right. You gotta bring something to the table. I mean, you can't. Uh, I can't imagine a person that doesn't have something to offer. You know, that's just the way I look at it. And we're gonna dig down deep, I swear, and find it. Especially if I'm paying you, you know, a thousand dollars a week or whatever. I don't. I don't know if that's what it is. So, if you want to be the singing guy when I get big, Mike. I mean, you might get more than a thousand. Might be less. We'll see. But we'll be in touch. I'll be the Continuing singing guy. <laughs> that's good that's good i can do whatever. honestly i would be that, that guy was like too i mean that
1: was 500
0: yeah it seems like a sweet gig dude to be like just a guy singing dude like that's all he wants you to do and you get paid a hell of good money just walk around with him in a leather coat like let's go where are we going <laughs> all i gotta do is sing and hope all you'd be doing the whole time is hoping that he doesn't call on you you know <laughs> like damn it now i have to sing or just not respond just shake your head like he doesn't you have to you have to sing yes or no. That's just how it works. But uh, continuing on, like we said, uh, eventually these friends leave. Polanski telephoned her, and uh, as did her younger sister Deborah, who called to ask if she and their sister Patty could spend the night with her. Uh, Tate declined, offering to have them over another time. So imagine what that would have been like.
1: Oh, yeah, and this sister Anderson. has been Ugh. sister has been like one of the biggest and like supporting this yeah. case and keeping yes. it keeping it alive. And, That's right. Uh, yeah. So, so she's... she's been awesome. Deborah and Tate. Yeah.
0: Yep. Sharon is the pretty one. Was the pretty what uh, <laughs> Oh, I watched the documentary.
1: I watched the doc <laughs> I, right. I watched docu- the documentary uh just before this. You know, I had watched it last week. She's alright. Yeah.
2: I feel
0: like I've seen her.
1: She's in her, she's probably in her fifties, but I was
0: like, all right, yeah. All right. See, I, mean, I see the beauty. years ago, okay. Yeah. Runs well, in strong. the family, huh? Pretty girl, probably from the yeah. dad's side. Strong <laughs> jaw.
1: <laughs> no, this pictures of her from the time, you know, from the from the seventies. Yeah. yeah, she looks better now. Hey, today,
0: let's so. l- okay, let's let's dig into this real quick. I have to ask. This is really <laughs> weird, I, I, and I like picking up at the funny parts too, just because we are talking right now about the murder. But I want to say, how weird is it that? Everything now is like super colored, super 4K, super HD, and everyone looks so shitty. Like it's – people – I mean it looks good. It's clear as all, all hell, but people look gross. So what I'm saying is how come everybody looks so good in black and white and we're not doing that? I mean even the new stuff that they've done in black and white like Sin City, phenomenal. It looks good. It looks awesome. It's like noir without – Oh, yeah. Know, yeah black
1: and white, you don't notice the, the blemishes. Everything's nice and smooth. It's only two colors, right?
0: People you, are still
1: when you expose multiple colors, then yeah, you see all the blemishes and
0: pops out. Well, here's what we do: let's develop an app that you can get for your smart TV that turns your stuff into black and white. The newest well, stuff.
1: No, the thing that's funny is you say that TVs. You know, back when we were kids, you could just yeah. change it to black and white.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> wish, is that even still cable, a thing
1: now? You could just, whoop, you switch it. You know, there was, like, a contrast and... Oh, yeah. tone. You just think, change it all to black and well, white. But...
0: This is today, where I found the loophole, man.
1: I don't think you can do that.
0: Nope. But yeah. on the smart TVs. I don't think they allow it. There's something on the copyright It's like... Now, <laughs> shout, not be black and white. It must be full nah, tones. I, think in,
1: I haven't, I haven't looked, because who the fuck wants to watch it in black and white other than you bring that you. up? But <laughs> but maybe you go to settings and you could just go to those levels. Yeah, and right. me- mess That's probably
0: them. the easiest thing. And we're sitting here like, I think it'd be funnier just to try and pitch it. Like, we want uh, black and white TVs would've... back. Yeah, we want them back, dude. I want a flat screen that's black and white. Stop fucking around. I want to watch Big Bang Theory in two tones. That's it. Run it.
1: Oh, that's uh, funny. Uh, now that you say that, it reminds me of something that I thought my wife even brought it up when she told me and when she was a kid, she asked the same question. What were things like when everything was in black and white? <laughs> Actually, a grandparents, a question like that. Nope. Nope. What, was it, what was it like when everything was in black and white? Like not just TV, but thought the world was in black
0: and white. <laughs> yeah. What was it like before you guys developed colors?
1: Because when uh-huh. you're a child and you're watching what it was like in the 50s and the 60s, it was just, it was just black and white. Nope. So you had things no concept seemed, that, uh, Oh, there the was side color side back side. then. Yeah. No, that's a dumbass so thing. To right. well.
0: If an old person was to respond, you would just be like, you know, what was it like when everything was in black and white? You would just be like, well, it was easy to match my socks. I
2: mean,
0: <laughs> just leave me confused. <laughs> like, yeah, Oh, look. okay. There's two shades of everything guys. It was pretty easy. Real easy. Honestly, the hardest thing would be cooking probably like, is that <laughs> an apple or a tomato? i don't know
1: is the steak ready or not i don't know is is that still pink (laughs) what is
0: pink uh i don't know are we having pig tonight i don't know is it a pink pig no it's just like a lighter gray (laughs) (laughs) all right continuing on about this um she had some friends that were over to the house already for lunch and later on she invited some you know who ended up being victims later on uh, to come back around like 10:30 midnight-ish. Uh, Jay Sebring, uh, some dude uh, off and Abigail Folger. Uh, shortly after midnight, though, they were murdered by members of the Charles Manson family. Uh, their bodies were discovered the following morning by Tate's housekeeper, Winifred Chapman. Uh, police actually arrived at the scene to find the body of a young man, later identified as Stephen Parent, shot dead in his car, which was in the driveway.
1: He's trying to leave. That's... Yeah. Time. Oh. Recreate like... the scene. Is that this kid's just trying to leave? He's an 18-year-old kid trying to back out. He's got these creeps running up on him, and they fucking shoot him.
0: Never had a chance, really. No. He he was on. I mean, out of all of them, he probably had the best chance to get away and didn't even make it.
1: He did, but you got to think of the situation, though. Where if you're in the car and you're a decent human being, you're thinking other people are decent too. Yeah. And, oh, oh, hey, who are you? Okay. Get shot in the head. Something like that makes me think that from now on, if there's just creeps running up on me. Fuck yeah, I'm pulling out. I'm fucking running people over.
0: Yeah, don't ask for a ride. I hate that. <laughs> don't knock on my window. Yeah. Don't get that close to my yeah. car.
1: Because oh, I'm not going to be nice to you.
0: No.
1: I'm sorry. That's how society is now. Yes, unless
0: you're somebody <laughs> selling food like, and I'm coming to your window, don't put your head in my window.
1: Uh, at all. And I, I, also, <laughs> I also hate that I even said that because I always feel like you shouldn't live your life afraid either.
0: But, you know what? Stay afraid. You get fucking.
1: It's fine. <laughs> or you, get killed. <laughs> you get killed.
0: Keep your head on a swivel. We're all supposed to be like deers. Okay? everyone's a predator everyone's out to get us we are very delicious Uh, let's see Polanski was actually informed of the murders and returned to Los Angeles where police unable to determine a motive questioned him about his wife and friends did the wife uh, you know did he have intent to kill I wouldn't think so I mean it doesn't seem like he would until later on when you find out that he's a gross person Uh, Sebring's funeral took place later that day Uh, I skipped ahead more about this. Uh, police took the only survivor to the address. The property's caretaker, William Garrison. Garrison lived in the guest house that was located on the property, but a short distance from the house and not immediately visible. As the first suspect, Garrison was questioned and submitted a polygraph test. Garrison stated that Parent had visited him at approximately 11:30 and left shortly thereafter. Garrison informed police that he had no involvement in the murders and did not know anything that could help the investigation. Police accepted his explanation and he was released. So in and out.
1: Garrison did previously say that he had heard noises, a lot of noises coming from the house
2: that night.
0: That's what I thought. And I thought, you know, from the film, specifically the film, I had I had, I thought they would said something about there being another place for them to sleep on the property, like another house or whatever. I didn't know that there actually was.
2: So, there, you know,
0: well just...
1: <laughs> there was the main house and then there's a large pool area. And then then there's the guest house which is where Garrettson was staying. And he had heard noises from the house, but he had just speculated that it was like a party. And that he had just speculated that it was a party and he just went back to sleep.
0: What was the guy's Garrettson?
1: Yeah, Garrettson.
0: Yeah, that's right. I didn't know that they would even have had another uh suspect. I didn't know that he was named. That's yeah. That's I, I,
1: I yeah, I didn't know that he was a suspect either. I mean I guess he should be the prime suspect because everyone else there died. He he lived there and he survived. So mm-hmm. I guess that makes sense. But then they don't continue on from there. Well you gotta you go gotta ahead. you can't just shit on the cops because it is so random. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: They're not going to have suspects right away.
0: Yeah. Because uh, it was a massacre. You know, there's usually if it's a single person or a family or something like that, there's it's easier to trace. Yeah. It seems like it's more targeted, but this is a bunch of different people, an heiress to the Folger company. You know, you got the sailor hairstylist, Jay Sebring, and the famous, you know, the famous actress. All right. So, all varying and, and, and no no particular motive for any of them. You know, what are you going to kill the, you know, the the hairstylist for? You know? but Because inside the house, though, the bodies of Tate and Sebring were found in the living room. A long rope tied around each of their necks connected them. On the front lawn lay the bodies of Frykowski and Folger. All the victims except Parent had been stabbed numerous times. The coroner's report for Tate noted that she had been stabbed 16 times and that five of the wounds were in and of themselves fatal. And she had a child inside of her.
1: Eight and a half months. Ready to come. It's a boy. So.
0: That's the worst part. The fact that uh, not only was she stabbed five times that would have killed her, but she was stabbed five times that would have killed her and her child inside of her. Like They had to be in that deep to have killed her. that they killed the child as well. And apparently there's reports that they tried to cut the child out of her.
2: Really? I didn't know that. I mean,
0: the hanging scene. Yeah. Yeah. uh, The one, the chick. Skinny.
1: Susan Atkins. Uh, Yeah, what was it? Susan Atkins.
0: Yeah, did she have a nickname? Oh, I don't know the
1: nickname.
0: I don't know. Who cares? She's not important. That's not why we're here. Fuck them. Yeah, they tried to have the baby, I guess. And they they wrote uh, pig. Tate's blood. Still visible. Well, the pig thing, I never really understood. Is pig... it He was trying to make it look like, you know, black oh, yeah. people had killed them.
1: Yeah, but what's pig got to do with the skelter?
0: Um, that they Pigs were. Pigs supposed to be
1: cops. Like, that's the like only thing. Rich,
0: rich people, I guess, in a way. I don't know, man. We don't know what's going on in these guys' heads.
2: Yeah, but I don't they know. could
0: destroy Roman. You know, they, you would think that this would. This would have gave a lot of people, at least in my mind, uh, some sympathy towards Roman Polanski. But then you turn around and find out that, uh, you know, he's had relations with a 13-year-old. Where he's raped a 13-year-old right at a man's house.
2: Like, Shit, gross, dude. <laughs> it's
0: like you should feel bad for him, but I don't feel bad for him. I feel bad for Sharon Tate and Abigail Folger, Frykowski... JC bring because these fucking people never had a chance dude never had a chance Stephen parent never had a shot They were ambushed With uh death in mind They thought they with, were just uh, Having a
1: nice hangout together in their house. That was it Things been mean, had been fine. I had
0: what you be though Had Frykowski or Folger survived after they took off running. Like, you sons of bitches? You're gonna know, uh, leave us. Do you... <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it it's you can't it's so be mad tough. because you, I'm not saying that, but you can't think. What are you gonna jokingly,
2: do? Of course, the situation: fight or
0: fight. It's what it is. Right. That's what it is. And some people. I mean, like you can't every... be mad at them. You're gonna do what you gotta do to survive for yourself.
2: It's In up, a
1: situation but... where, like, this situation here, it's friends,
2: mm-hmm.
0: not family, and. Right. Blood relation. Exactly. Gonna
1: so, they're gonna, they're gonna spread out. I'm going fuck out of here. But, that's a different fact. situation would be is, I'm a husband, I got my wife, I got my kids. Mm-hmm. I'm fucking staying 100%. right in the middle. I'm staying in the middle. Fucking that's kill right. me. I'm fucking... That, that's, yeah. I'm
0: that's gonna it. make you tired from having right. to kill me.
1: You're not fucking well, tying long, 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 long. me up. You're not forcing me to get fucking tied up and kill me. Yeah. Nah,
0: nah, not get to the tied up part. At least not while I'm alive. Nah. I'm I, I to don't. Me. That's
1: the thing that kills me about it's watching be, so many gonna of gonna these.
0: To, 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 to round. What is it? To row. I don't know. What What do they do to cattle?
1: <laughs> Roll them up.
0: Uh, yeah, that's the word. I couldn't. Yeah. It didn't sound right coming out of my head. Round, yeah. yeah, it's I gonna, just gonna be hard get to get the accent. Roll them up. Round. <laughs> can't, can't right, I don't know how to
1: spell that. it, but
0: row them okay. up. It's a word out there somewhere.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I'm not getting riled up. You're going to tell me to fucking lay down and, t- you know, no, nah. bullshit because.
0: Better get me really quick.
1: Nothing, yeah. <laughs> Kill me partner. now. Fucking stab me now.
0: That's what we just start saying. Like, I'm going to be a real big issue for you guys. You might as well just go ahead and, if, if yeah. that's the goal here, might as well sh- shut it down now because I'm going to be an issue. Even if I'm tied up, I'm going to be as annoying as I can be until the final moment. <laughs> Fuck that. I'm going to make you remember me forever. i haunt your fucking dreams.
1: For as much as, you know, for all the documentaries that you and I have watched about home invasions and serial killers, I'm fucking ready for somebody coming into my house. <laughs>
0: ready. I'm so ready. Ready to go. Like the neighbor pulling the knife on me thing, that was like too planned. I was too prepped for that. Ready to go.
2: But yeah,
0: maybe in the future. It'll Somebody's go. in
1: my house. They don't belong there, so I'm not. Yeah. I'm not asking them questions. There's no communication going on.
0: No, I totally agree. Though we know what we're up to now, and I feel like the world is a little bit more uh, on edge well, because of it, <laughs> in a good way. And, and
1: that's a well, it's a good thing, but it's a fucking sad thing. Yeah, because it takes
0: one person to change everything. I think one,
1: you know, like we just like said, like 1969. This ended. The whole period of free love and all that, and hmm. hippies like, oh, I guess I can't just be free love because I might get killed if I'm hitchhiking. To I'm go gonna base. have a, you know, this is gonna be the Zodiac killer that might pick me up and kill me and throw my kid out the fucking door, yep. which he did.
0: I'm not gonna and... move in to Grandma's house because Richard M- Ramirez might come and have sex with her and murder her.
1: Oh my god.
0: Yeah, weird, right? <sighs> attack old women like. People are these people are so crazy, but they're oh, also they're vulnerable sort of
1: people. Yeah.
0: They're going they always attack the weak. BTK
1: did that too. He attacked so, he gorgeous. he attacked old women at points. And one saying? of his go to moves was to attack on corner Behind. corner houses.
0: Oh, okay, that makes sense.
1: Corner houses. So that was there wasn't at least one neighbor on the other side. So he'd attack from the side of a corner street house.
0: So dark, man. Yeah, I think we developed another show. We got Time Wars, and we got <laughs> you know a serial killer death match where we pit. Uh, but we serial we skills. we
1: we created this show based on the whole idea that we need to stay away from glorifying serial killers.
0: Oh, we're glorifying their deaths though. Them murdering each other. No okay.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> who kills? Oh, oh shit. Okay.
0: Sounds good, man. But no, I think, that, that's, we, uh, got, that's I think we got. Tight. we
1: got a definitely we got a good show coming up though
0: we got all kinds of good stuff for these wonderful audience these people that love we're here for you time wars victims you know the bottom line Uh, all all my shows I'm not going to name we got all kinds of stuff for you guys plenty of entertainment coming from Patrick and Mike so if we're going to wrap
1: up though I want to give you one last tidbit do it are we wrapping up All right.
0: Shut it down for him.
1: I want to talk about Cielo Drive one last time.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. A.K.A. Heaven Drive.
1: Heaven Drive, right. The last owner was Trent Reznor. Oh, yeah. And he lived there in 1993. it It became his studio, and he called it La Pig.
2: Wow.
1: Now, that's fucking insensitive, right? Yeah. Guaranteed. That's insensitive. And to so that's nine inch nails. Yeah. Everybody out there. <laughs> and we, that was the uh, great we, album that created the song Closer to God from Seven. Which is a great I'm movie. Curious. You bring me closer to God. That song.
0: Yeah. Yep. He so, was a very uh, selfish. Yeah.
1: And he he admits couple years later in 1997 I think yeah but he it was, was sensitive yeah and he con- he was confronted first by uh, Deborah Ann Tate
0: Sharon oh, Tate's sister that makes sense
1: makes sense and she said are you trying to like capitalize on the death of my sister it's for you recording and then he like gave her a response like uh, well, I'll
0: make it better, all right? I,
1: what's he was just trying to say, like, no, no, no whatever. But then he, he admitted just a little while later, like, I cried the next night or oh, that night and realized, so yeah, like I, human, I, yeah, I can't be taking advantage of this. This is somebody's sister. Like, if it was my yeah. sister, I would feel this way. So and that's
0: that's not that's exactly why we don't name these episodes after the victim because I don't right. want to be that strict. But uh, I feel like this episode went a lot better than the last episode. Not that it went bad, but we no, it's just the
1: next step forward. Yeah, next step forward. That's
0: right. Well, thanks for the hanging episode. out, guys. You can always contact the show, start conversations with us, create a dialogue on Twitter at Victims Cast. That's V I C T I M S C A S T. You know, we're always going to talk to the audience. Go ahead. Give us
1: some recommendations of what stories you want to
0: hear. That's right. Contact us for that as well as uh, telling us how much you enjoy what we do. Thanks for listening, guys. As always, we try to be as comical as possible. Just, uh, you know, bring light to the situation because it is a dark situation. Um, And
1: remember, we're just two fucking dudes.
0: We're not experts. That's right. I don't don't even have like a a long coat that a detective or investigator would wear. (laughs) That's what I picture, honestly. It's very cartoonish in my mind. But uh, thanks for listening, guys. Tune in next time. I don't know what we'll be doing, but we'll be here. What is it, Mondays, Fridays? One of those days we're going to have episodes for you. We did push this one a little later, but it's fine. We're always going to be here regardless. So thanks for tuning in. As always, I'm Patrick.
1: And I'm Mike Victims,
0: Victimscast. Victims podcast. True Crime Pod. It's been a Victims. All right. Thanks for listening, guys.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So long. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.